Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again as always by Drew Bishop. This is episode 115. It is Tuesday, May 23rd. I cannot believe that June is just literally right around the corner. Um, and that's when things are really going to be picking up for us um, at Five Tool. But uh, we were talking before we jumped on here, Drew, and it's like if we didn't like really keep notes of these games we go to, it's just it's all kind of blended together. Um, you know, we're already to the point where uh, we're in the regional semifinals for the for the Texas State playoffs. And it feels like, you know, round one is still kind of going. That's just it feels like round one's going but at the same time. It feels like we've already seen like 20 playoff games. Um, just from going around the state and seeing a bunch of action. But uh, first off, how are you doing? How are you hanging in there? Um, how, how did things go this past week? It was good. We got to see some really good uh, performances on the mound. Um, we had a scout day on Saturday for their Arlington A's and then had mm-hmm. a showcase on Sunday. So only got to see two high school playoff games, but uh, both really good games with some really good pitching performances and um, you know, like you get to this point of the year, you, you have to have good pitching performances yes. or you're probably not going to be advancing. Um, but yeah, some, some really good ones to talk about when we get into it, got to see some guys that, um, seen that I hadn't seen this year. Um, and then a couple that I had, but got to get some eyes on some guys that you and I had been trying to see for a while too. So it was good. It was good. Yeah, that's what this this time of the year is especially good for. And I, I feel myself when I'm looking at the schedule for this upcoming week, there's so many options, but there's the opportunity to maybe go go see some guys and some teams that we haven't quite gotten to yet this year. But on the, on the other hand, you look at like, well, I could go sit at Baylor for five hours and watch four of the best teams in the state duke it out back to back. They're they're in that uh that Rockwell Heath Sidewood series and then the Rockwell and the Woodland series. Those two match up again. I remember seeing them in the playoffs last year. Um, down here in Austin at Concordia. But uh, before we talk about some of the results and the upcoming matchups and things like that, we got our own games to talk about um, from, from this past week's action. And uh, if you missed it, I published uh, a, a new deep drives, which ended up, gosh, ended up being about 5,000 words, just a collection of first round, second round, third round, and all kind of blended together. I'm uh, going to end up talking about a lot of those guys that featured in there at fivetool.org. So go check out all that and all our video coverage um, from this past weekend. But, um, you know, when you have a chance to go see Westlake and Round Rock and you live, you know, 15 minutes away, it'd kind of be silly not to go see two of the best teams of the state and crosstown rivals duke it out. And it's a it's a series that that lived up to the hype. Um, you know, Travis Secor in game one was was really good. He only gave up one hit in six innings. Um, Sage, Sage Sanders fought off a two strike slider. That was kind of a back foot pitch and just hit a little line drive over the first base, but that was about it, uh, for Wesley. Cause Sakura threw a lot of strikes. He was up to 98 miles an hour again in the first inning. Um, the fastball command was again, good, uh, kind of, you know, working it to the glove side and there weren't many lefties in the Westlake lineup, but we're trying to work it to the glove side to the lefties, trying to come in a little bit on the righties and work away. And, the breaking ball was a little bit different. It was kind of more of a short kind of power curve as a, as opposed to a slider. He was kind of taking some off, um, but he threw a couple of true sliders. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> poor Blake Peterson got the best slider. I think Slacor threw all night by far for a <laughs> strikeout. And it was just like, it was like, a, it was one of those like, whoa, that's a little bit different. 
um, that he that he saved up for for one of the best bats in that Westlake lineup there. So Sakura was really good. Gave up one hit. That game was zero zero heading into the bottom of the seventh inning uh, when Hudson Ellis again. I mean, every time I've seen this guy, it's coming through in the clutch, making fantastic defensive plays. Um, really battled against Joe Sockwell, who's a low slot kind of sidearm righty for Westlake. Their best reliever this year has been, you know, heading to Texas Tech. Um, just a tough look for righties. And, you know, Hudson Ellis choked up, battled deep into the count, got a breaking ball over the plate and smacked a single through the right side of the infield and ended up being the walk-off base hit there. Uh, runner barely beat the throw into home. And, um, you know, that set up an opportunity for Westlake. I wasn't at that, that second game Saturday, but – Kind of wish I was was one of those FOMO games because Nathan Duvall uh, continues to throw really, really well. Um, I've heard really good things about him. The velocity's ticked up. Uh, back-to-back big-time performances in the playoffs. Um, you know, pitched them to a to a victory in a, a, a series deciding game three. Um, and that's where our guy, man, five-tool academic team alum Jack Brady, junior right-handed pitcher. Huh. I saw his dad, Mark, before the game, and he's, you know, he's feeling it, man. You know how, how it, well, we don't know how it is yet, but um, being a parent, you just live and die with every pitch, and especially in that situation. And he was feeling the nerves before first pitch, but Jack turned in one of the best performances I've seen this year. Uh, it was just really, really outstanding stuff. Um, up to 87 miles an hour with the fastball, was carrying 85 miles an hour into the final innings. Slider 79 to 81, commanded execution, getting a lot of whiffs against right handers with that pitch, mixing an overhand curveball 70, 74 miles an hour. Found the changeup field in the middle innings. That was a really good pitch, really neutralized lefties. And just we know he can pitch and we know he can he can compete. And it was just like at a new level. Um, it was really fun to watch. Because, you know, considering what's at stake, you know, winner take all, you're playing round rock, you know, the stands are packed. It's a very charged atmosphere. And he set the tone from the first pitch and just delivered just a fantastic outing. Went the distance, only gave up one earned run, uh, struck out 10 guys, only gave up four hits, walked two. Uh, just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal uh, performance. Just can't say enough about just the way he pitched, the way he competed. And it was it was a legit four pitch mix. Um, and he's already throwing harder, and he's going to throw harder in in the future. But I feel like he's one of those guys that if you're just radar gun scouting with a guy like that, you're you're missing the boat here. Um, yeah. Big broad shoulders, long arms. He, he's going to fill out some more, but he can just really pitch. And uh, they, Westlake needed it. You know they 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 you know they needed a long outing from him because uh, they didn't really have a whole lot left in the bullpen. You know, Chance Covert threw really well Thursday, um, but he was kind of used because he went deep into that game. They used Sockwell some that game. Duvall threw really deep into that second game. So they needed Jack Brady to come through, and, and he did. Um, and he got a little help, too. Braden Babb, uh, left fielder, uh, leadoff hitter, right-handed uh, hitter, junior, uh, really athletic and run, made a fantastic diving catch in left field to keep the game 1-1. And that kind of started to turn the tide a little bit, I feel like. Because uh, Westlake just took advantage of some really uncharacteristic ground rock airs. Um, they started kind of throwing the ball around the field. It just felt like it just felt like the moment got a little too big for them, whereas Westlake uh, was totally at home with what was going on and kind of put the pressure on them and ended up winning that game, um, I believe, 7-1. to one. Uh, But Brady, just phenomenal, phenomenal performance. It was really cool to see, especially him being a 5-tool academic guy. 
you know, those guys are especially, you know, we root for those guys, you know, they go out to Arizona yeah. with us. Um, they take the time and use some of their resources to go out there and compete and be a part of that event with us. So it's always fun to follow those guys, but uh, the game of the life for Jack Brady in the, in the biggest start of his life. And uh, now he'll have another big start. I'm Today. sure this upcoming week. Yeah, yeah. right. There'll, there'll be another big one um, moving forward there, but uh, on the Round Rock side, I mentioned Sakura. Um, you know, Cade Weibel came in relief Thursday and was up to 95 miles an hour uh, heading to McLennan. Uh, just electric fastball. He actually started that game three on Saturday and just couldn't ever quite find the control. Just a lot of arm side misses. Just couldn't quite get the the fastball and the slider back into the back into the strike zone there. Um, and uh, ended up walking a few batters, hitting a few batters. Um, but big time stuff. I mean, McLennan's gonna, you know, he's gonna be a really interesting prospect um, to watch at McLennan. But Westlake moved on. Um, Round Rock's really, really good season um, came up just short. It's you know you get to this time of the year and it's just good teams are facing good teams. Uh, everybody left, especially at the six A level, is is I think a legit state title contender, especially if you make it this far. Um, and Westlake was able to to move on there. Uh, I, I saw two of those three games when I wasn't there. I was down in, in Tomball at Tomball Memorial, seeing the Woodlands versus Tomball, and uh, wanted to go see Braden Sharp. It had been too long since I'd seen him. Tennessee signee, um, two-way talent, uh, big-time left-handed pitcher. Uh, he was good. Um, was up to 91 miles an hour in the first inning. Um, held 88 to 89 the entire length of the outing. He pitched into the seventh inning. He walked the first two batters in the seventh, and they got him out of there. But um, I, I was, I, I didn't think I was going to go down there and leave talking about his splitter, but it was really good. Um, and it, it looked like a changeup, just to, the action of it. Cause he just killed the spin and just really dived towards home plate. But he said after the game, you know, he models it after like a, he's a giants fan. He models it after how Kevin Gosman throws his splitter, former giants pitcher now at the blue Jays. And it was a, it was a plus pitch that night. Like it didn't just flash. It was consistently plus uh, overhand curveball, kind of a spike curveball type look. Um, also showed a little bit of a kind of a power slurve slider type look as well. Um, competed well. Um, he's added strength to his frame. You know, we know the athleticism, you know, he's like a six, six runner um, can really swing it from the left side. Uh, it was good to get a fresh look because it just reminded me just how talented he is physically, skill-wise. Like, he's a really good hitter, good center fielder, um, but also the upside on the mound as well. And I think that there's there's a lot of ingredients in that delivery, I think, that whether it's pro ball or Tennessee, that um, a new kind of developmental environment could really unlock some things with that delivery. But um, that was a wild game. Um, he left with a lead, and um, it ended up being uh, – uh, Tomball had bases loaded with two outs in the bottom of the seventh inning. And Braden Scherzer, uh, a guy I've really liked for a long time, plays for the Houston Heat in the summer, just always competes, always puts the bat on the ball at a high level when I've seen him. And he's battling deep in the count with two strikes, and he hits a hard ground ball in the hole at shortstop. And um, Logan Ellison for you know the Woodlands, really good player, ranges over, feels the ball and throws the second. And it it just got away from, from the second baseman and just chaos happened. Tomball scores two runs, ends up walking off, winning that game four to three. And I think the Woodlands were kind of just stunned. Like they hadn't even really got any runs at that point in the playoffs. And, and Tomball eventually forced the game three, but the Woodlands ended up winning that game, I believe nine to one to advance. Uh, but we talked about that Tomball team 
that that roster is so young, but it's also so talented. Um, catcher Hopkins, I mean, you wouldn't have known he was a freshman unless you knew who he was because he just looked physically impressive, advanced in the batter's box. He's going to be a big-time prospect. TJ Sampson on the mound, four-pitch mix. I was out 81-84, which this time of the year, a freshman at the varsity level is going to be a little bit tired. Uh, but curveball, slider, change up the makings of a big-time starting pitcher in the 2026 class. Um, Keegan Demmer hit a bomb off the scoreboard off Braden Sharp, jumped on a first-pitch fastball and just hit a rocket. Then later in the game, he hit another fastball hard into left field for a base hit. He's going to be a guy to watch in the 2024 class. Um, obviously, K-Day and B-Day, he uh, – his power is – it's just different. Like, he cut down his swing in two strikes and just kind of went down and hit a ball down, and he almost it hit it out of the park the center field. Like, it's just really, really different power. Um, he's got huge bat speed, too. Um, now, he did whiff, um, you know, a, a few times, you know, especially against Braden Sharp. So, um, in the, one of those instances where I think he was just a little too amped, swinging a little bit too hard – but man, when you have that kind of bat speed, it's hard to kind of cut things down because it's just different. Um, he showed off his really strong arm behind the plate, throwing behind runners, didn't really get tested in the run game. Uh, looked apart physically of just a really big time catching prospect in that class. And I saw he tweeted out today and he hit 543 this season. So that's a, that's that's pretty impressive when you consider the power that he swings. But um, that Tomball team is is going to be really, really good in the future. Coleman Ryan playing shortstop for those guys. When you have Coleman Ryan hit ninth, it kind of speaks <laughs> to how deep and talented your lineup is. But um, this is a, that's a team that I think is going to comp- legitimately compete for a state title at some point, probably as early as next year, um, just with Aaron Beattie being a senior and all those young guys being a year older again. That senior class should be really, really good. Uh, but a heck of a season for those guys. Um, it'll really pay off in the future. Uh, just so much young talent on that roster and a fun team to watch. But uh, the Woodlands marches on, uh, riding that pitching and, and kind of that clutch hitting. Um, a lot of athleticism in that lineup. And uh, and Braden Sharp um, was was really good. Uh, was glad to go down and see him again. It had been too long. Last time we saw him was down at Area Code. So it was good to go down and get a fresh look at him. Yeah. Uh, you know, ha- speaking of fresh looks, that's what I had uh, – for, uh, for Geyer and Jesuit, um, two teams that have done pretty well all year long, um, and I just hadn't gotten to see them. Um, and so I was really excited to get out and see those guys. Uh, you know, you talk about Tomball being a really young lineup. Jesuit's the same. I mean, they've got quite a few freshmen and sophomores, uh, not only just playing, but starting and starting in key positions. Uh, and they, they ended up losing the series. Um, but they did win the game that I was at over Geyer three to two. And it was, a, it was a wild kind of weird game, but only three to two, um, you know, one for leadoff hitter, Cameron Davis for Jesuit starts out the game with the double that kind of got kicked around and he got the third next pitch or that next batter, the two hole hit a ground ball. And it was one zero after, you know, a couple pitches. Um, and then it kind of slowed down for a while. Uh, not much happened after that. But then until Jake Foltz had a – he had an RBI. Um, and then let's see who else. Uh, yeah, it was – Jake Foltz, Kentucky commit, sophomore shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, really good re- – looked really good. Um, I I liked watching him move around the field. You can tell he plays with confidence, plays with a little bit of swagger, and, um, and definitely 
definitely knows what he's doing offensively and defensively. Uh, freshman James Jorgensen um, had a good game as well. Uh, played third base. One of the things, you know, we talk about some of these guys that we, we look at stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think, but one of the most impressive things for me with James was he made an error um, on defense at a, you know, at a crucial point and it didn't rattle him one bit. Like you could tell he just kind of shook it off and went on playing the game. And that was just something I just kind of wanted to watch his body language and see how he handled it. And man, he passed that test with flying colors. I was really impressed with him. Uh, Like the way he moves, he was playing third base. Uh, Just like the way he moves on the diamond, man. You can tell he's a baseball player, just has good actions. Like the way he handles the ball. Um, Was really impressed with him. Uh, Luke Islet. I assume it's Islet, maybe Islet, but Navarro commit left-handed pitcher um, win a complete game on the mound for Jesuit. Uh, complete game, six hits, four strikeouts. But man, he just kept a really good guyer lineup, just totally out of sync. Um, you know, he, moving the ball around, changing speeds, uh, just really frustrating hitters all night long, and just kind of that crafty lefty that just like we talk about, throws it in there and gets out. Yep. Um, was really impressed, really impressed with him. Uh, Nick Barber, he had the RBI. He also had a single um, senior second baseman going to Rhodes. Um, so James Jorgensen mentioned him already, but he had a really hard line drive to center field. He had a single. Um, and let's see who else we got on the list. Oh, the last guy I wanted to mention. You remember, you remember our guy at Texas, Miles? Our resident genius genius intern. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, we had an analytics department at Texas, and we had quite a few interns. And Miles was pro- his older brother. Miles was probably the smartest guy that we'd ever had in the program. He he had very young working on the big league staff now. Oh man, Brooks. I hope Brooks and Jeff aren't listening to this. Uh, sorry guys, he's smarter. <laughs> um, I, anyone that's met him would have no problem saying that or admitting that. But uh, senior outfielder uh, Wesson Okamoto had two really good at-bats, hit a line drive to center field, made one really good play in left field, and he walked his first at-bat. But just wanted to mention him because I thought he had a good game, uh, even though the stat line may not show it. Uh, On the Geyer side, uh, Josh Lumsden had a single. Seth Johnson was on base three times um, and then had a sack bunt. Blade Carver was on base three times with a hit and two walks. Um, Jack Caginello on the mound uh, went six innings, had eight strikeouts. I mean, he was, it was interesting because he early in the game, he was like 83, 87, but as the game went on, man, that velocity started ticking up and he started mm-hmm. feeling it. And he was really impressive. I just, I liked the way he pitched. He's just super competitive. Um, and so he's going to, he's a good one. Um, and then they brought in Hawk Bowers in relief and man, I, He's got a kind of a different, it's a different look. Yeah. Um, but ha- had him 88 91. Yeah. I, mean, I remember ball, him from the summer. Throws hard. Ball jumps out of his hand and it is not straight. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it was definitely kind of some uncomfortable at bats for those guys. Um, but uh, he also hit the ball hard, had a line drive to left field that I think was the one that uh, Weston Okamoto caught um, up against the wall that could that had some base runners on. Um, and th- I guess, you know, by the way, the game turned out, ended up being a big play in the game. Um, little did we know it because I believe, yeah, that was the, let's see, some point in the second inning. 
yeah, it was either way. It was a good play that he made and left. Um, and Jesuit held on for the win that night. Uh, one, one thing that I was, you know, it's, it's always interesting to me. You can tell teams that are very well prepared. You could tell Jesuit was really well prepared. They were, they were playing some shifts and moving guys around. And hmm. a few times I felt like they just hit a ball right into a shift pretty hard, but, um, good scouting and good coaching, uh, guy ended up being a team that move on with the win over the series. Um, they got pushed to a doubleheader Saturday and won both games. Um, but Friday night I went over to see Heath play Waco midway. Um, I really wanted to get a look at Cameron Johnson. Um, and he was as advertised, uh, big physical, um, uh, really repeats his delivery for a guy, his size. Mm-hmm. And like we've talked about with him before, he's going to throw really, really hard someday. Yeah. Uh, but a really impressive outing for him um, went the complete game on the visiting side, six innings, only gave up five hits, uh, seven strikeouts. Uh, but the thing that's impressive to me is he just competed and you can just tell that there's a lot more in the tank. Um, and he battled and gave Midway a chance to win that game. Um, he ended up closing it out, uh, closing the series out with a two, 2-0 win behind the complete game shutout from Landry Powell. Yeah, he's good. And, he's dealing. Uh yeah, he he is I mean, he's got he's got it working where, you know, he he moves his fastball around mm-hmm. and then drops in that curveball and you're done. And then people knowing that he has that big 12-6 curveball, he better than probably anybody I've seen this spring. He uses that high fastball to get a lot of strikeouts and a lot That's of That's what I was going to say. It's kind of the classic four seam up, breaking ball down, like that whole deal. And it just, it's, it's too much for guys. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's backswinging that ball, man. He, he I, I had him 84, 88, but the swings that people take off of him make his stuff look a lot harder. Um, and he just, you know, low heart rate, moves the ball around, always feels like he's in control. Just another ridiculous performance. But he went complete game, shut out, two hits, and I think he ended up at 84 pitches. Oh and that was gosh. with and that was with like probably the longest inning pitch wise being the seventh. So I remember texting someone, I think he was like through 60 something pitches through six innings. Um <laughs> But, you know, let, a couple guys got on in the seventh and he had to make some pitches, but he made the pitches when it mattered and uh, got out of it with that complete game shutout and Heath advanced. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about it with these guys, you know, so many young players on this team and guys playing new spots and, mm-hmm. you know, coming into leadership roles. They just they really they really have found their footing. Um, you know what I thought we saw early a lot was they um they have the pieces offensively, but they never put them all together. You'd have a game where two or three guys might get some hits, but mm-hmm. they just lack that big hit. So they were a guy or two away a game from really breaking out. And I feel like they've done that some in the postseason. Um, just playing really good baseball. You know, you can tell that this team's grown up a lot over the course of the year. Uh, but, you know, that said, you have steady veterans like Colin Adams, who had mm-hmm. two hits in the game. Um you know, two of the five hits, uh, Brady Lattisod, a single, uh, let's see, Colin Lyles had a good game. Not a lot to show for it in the box score, but 
I just felt like he made he made a couple of good plays defensively that you know could have made some innings a lot different. Uh, Caleb Huber had an RBI. Uh, Hunter Bulin um, got on base to get that to eventually, and he was pinch run for. But then eventually that that ended up being the winning run, and that was in the fifth inning. So it was a zero zero game uh, into the fifth. Uh, Drew Smith had an RBI. Um, and he's starting to put some really good at bats together. He also walked, so he was on base both times, both of his plate appearances. Um, but yeah, man, that you know, that Heath team, like, you know, we talk about Tom Ball, we talk about Jesuit being young, like for a for such a well-renowned historical program, Heath is Heath has got some youth and they're you know, they're gonna be a force. And I know Coach Harvey's excited about the future there, but you know, obviously he's got still still playing and got things to worry about for this year but um i'm i'm excited to see that that matchup this weekend between Heath and Cy Woods and then Rockwall and and the Woodlands that's going to be some battles both of our both of our picks from region region 3 are still alive so we'll see if who moves on and if they end up playing each other to go to to go to Round Rock yeah, it's I mean it's just loaded matchups in six A. Um, you know, when you go down the list there, but um in particular that you know, that region two with the Rockwall schools and then Cy Woods matching up against Heath and then the Woodlands matching up against Rockwall. Uh it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, you know, Powell versus that Cy Woods lineup is is gonna be worth the price of admission because it's a very much a left-handed heavy lineup. Um, that can kind of do a little bit of everything there. And um, Cy Woods was, Cy Woods got tested um, by Tom Memorial when I saw them. And then, you know, they flexed some muscle this past, um, this past week against, uh, against Klein Oak, winning 10 nothing and 15 <laughs> so, nothing. It's so. funny you say that. So when I was at the Heath game, uh, one of the Klein Oak coaches was sitting behind me scouting. And um, I, we were trying to find the score and I found the score in like the fourth inning. And I just like, I just didn't even say anything. I just showed him the score and he was like, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess, guess, guess I, my job is done. I, guess I can, yeah. I don't know how much scouting I, I need to do here, but um, yeah, that's, I mean, when that side woods lineup gets going, it's, it's, it's tough to deal with um, deal with those guys for sure. But, uh, yeah, some uh, some some big time results from six A. I mean, obviously we talked about Run Walk Westlake being those crosstown rivals, but Katie Tompkins, two district rivals there. Katie ends up getting the four three win and then a five three win to advance. And I believe Tompkins knocked out Katie last year in the playoffs, so um, could be some revenge there. And then Cinco Ranch and Ridge Point, two state title contenders, I think, went to a game three that Cinco Ranch ended up winning to advance. Uh, what sets up a, a showdown there uh, between Cinco Ranch and Pearland? Two really, really good teams. Yeah, um, scoring off one. in Region Three there, um, and then down in Region Four, San Antonio Johnson moves on. They wanted this, uh, a game three against Lake Travis, and then obviously Westlake is going to meet Eagle Pass um, down there as well. And uh, Flower Mound still in there um, after the way that first that first round started against Prosper. I was like, man, these guys are. Uh, we'll we'll see how they respond, but they've responded. They got a, a matchup against Weatherford, um, and then the Geyer team you talked about facing Byron Nelson, who gives up like no runs ever. Like it's, none. It's, it's it's the it's the craziest they don't. thing. Like they, just they don't, don't do they don't give up a run. It's 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 wild. Uh, so they just keep marching on there. But um, 
some other results that uh, the Friendswood Barbers Hill series really caught my attention. We know how good Friendswood is, and Barbers Hill, man, um, eight to two Coach and then 12, 12 to three, uh, they're rolling. And, you know, they, they've got some, they've got some really good players. You know, Briley Van was a guy that I liked playing for that Marucci team in the summer. Uh, this is a guy you knew was going to throw strikes and throw harder in the future. Uh, you know, Jace Martinez, who said in the same Houston, um, like you said, Coach Denny, like we we know what kind of job they do on the coaching side and things like that. So, but it's it's just rare, you know, for to see Friendswood, you know, kind of kind of take a lump like that. It just kind of speaks to how good Barbers Hill has been um, this season. And um, you know, looking ahead there in five A, they get Magnolia West, which. James Elwanger has been throwing it. Um, Magnolia West, you know, really flexed some offense this past week against Lake Belton. So that's going to be a really big time series. Um, and then in that same region, region three, I guess Laporte keeps winning the flip because they got another one game playoff after beating full Shear in a one game playoff. And my guess is Diego Lazardo. They're just handing him the ball and he's just rocking the rolling um, University of Houston signees. So that could be a Luzardo um, Weston Moss matchup there. Um, between Lake Creek and, and Laporte, but um, you know, fun stuff. The, a lot, a lot of really exciting results from around the state. One of the biggest showdowns this weekend is in in four A and in uh, region. I guess it's let's see, region two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, region two. Yeah, Salina versus Pleasant Grove. Yeah, that's gonna uh, be a good one. That is a clash of the Titans there. So mm-hmm. that one is – that's a big-time, big-time matchup. So um, may end up making it out to one of those. Not sure yet, but that's – That's a big-time one, and, obvi- and that Carthage China Spring one too is is really big-time in 4A. Um, well, that's our – that's our – that's a showdown of our picks right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. China, yeah, China Spring and Carthage. Um yeah, and if I, if I wasn't going to pick China Spring, I would have picked Carthage just because, you know, Connor Cuff and Noah Patty and, and the lineup that those guys have there, uh, really, really good program as well. But, um, you know, let's see what else there. Canyon Randall, who, you know, still in there, and we thought that they were going to make a deep run and, and they're hanging in there. And Aubrey keeps keeps winning my team to watch there in Region 2, 5, uh, 4A. Um, don't mind if re- you do <laughs> they're gonna be really really tested this this uh this week but um should should be a good one there but uh you know corpus christi ray and bernie champion that'll be a good one in 5-8 the i i wasn't it was a fomo game for me but leander rouse and cedar park had a one game playoff that ended up with rouse winning nine to eight just looked like a just a back and forth just wild game um, in, in 5A Region 4 that Rouse ended up winning and, and they move on there. So they're they're hot. They uh, I, I felt like they lost more games in the regular season than they probably should have. Um, just mm-hmm. kind of some late results didn't go their way, but they've, they seem to have caught fire at the right time. So um, they, they can make a run there as well. But a lot of good stuff from around the state. I was trying to figure out if you – if anybody on here is – using your bulletin board material this week <laughs> uh i don't know we'll we'll see um you know we did mention that there was there was a distinct possibility that doing playoff predictions would result in uh in perhaps some things um some things resonating that way but we'll see i don't know i don't know why anybody on this podcast would ever pick against westlake I, that's just that's silly i don't know why anybody would 
anybody would do that, especially anybody. Even that when there. you live, even, even yeah, especially anybody that, that lives there. 15 minutes from, from where they play and seen them about nine times this year. So I don't, I don't know who, I can't think of anybody that would, that would ever do such a thing, but uh, yeah, it's a, the, the chaps are hot and they keep winning. Uh, but that's what we talk about though. Like some teams just like, they figure out ways to win. I feel like Katie's been like that. Uh, San Antonio Johnson's been like that. Um, you know, these teams this time of the year, like you see the ones that are hanging in there, are the ones that just figure out ways to win games, you know, even when they might not be pitching the best. I mean, you know, Westlake lost Theo Gillen. Theo Gillen's still out hurt. Like that's, you know, you're taking one of the premier hitters in the state out of the lineup there and a guy that plays in the middle of your infield. That's a tough thing to replace. And they've replaced and they've, they've kept marching on there. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But White House, a team that you liked, ended up knocking off Lovejoy in, in a decisive game three. Um, shout out to, to Aiden Smith on a heck of a career at Lovejoy. Would he have been to hit, hitting like 490 or something like that this season with barely any strikeouts? Um, just one of the best outfielders in the state. Um, Argyle keeps winning. So um, a, lot, a lot of good stuff. Any uh, So are you going an all Rockwall Region 2 6A uh, regional final or, or, or you, I, uh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going that so I can show my face around town. Wow. So you're going with, with Heath over Cy Woods and, and, and Rockwall over the Woodlands. Um, yeah, that's going to be, I guess the city of Waco will be, uh, Rockwall South for, uh, for, for the duration of that series, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday there. Um, that's one of the fun parts about this round is you get to the point where some college fields start being involved, which is it's kind of cool to have that sort of um, that sort of atmosphere at those games. So, yeah, no just just uh, really exciting. And so we got weeks until uh, until state champions are crowned. So uh, still going there. But that's what so that's what's wild. It's it seems like it seems like it goes fast. But then you think about it and it's like you're talking a month and a half of the playoffs yeah. to get yeah. to get to the end of it. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a grind. Like some of these teams already have played 40 games this year, you know, like that's, that's a lot, a lot of games to play. And if, if they're fortunate, they're still playing, you know, another four, six, eight, however many left until, until a state champions crown. So yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's gone fast and we've seen a lot, but there's still a lot more that's going to come um as well so um in any other any other hot takes playoff wise before we before we jump out of here uh i no no i haven't i don't even know what day it is right now <laughs> yeah, so i know getting ready getting ready to kick off the summer we've had all the event a bunch of you know non-tournament events going on and um yeah so i couldn't tell you what day it is um or what games i'm going to yet this weekend i am uh, We'll see. I, we we will probably be spread out all over the place, but uh, looking forward for our events to start going. Uh, now we'll get into the summer grind, working on some college league stuff. We have mm-hmm. forty-two teams now in the um, college league. Wow, forty-two in the Dallas one. Yeah, yeah. So been doing a lot of that. And then we've got our uh, DISD showcase coming up this next week, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking at my list of potential games for the week, and it's yeah, there's about let's see, six potential ones on Thursday, and then about seven potential ones on Friday. So it's gonna be 
it'll be interesting to see where I end up. Try to definitely going to be some FOMO at some point, but try to maximize it. Um, you know, I think it'd be great if Weatherford and Flyermount decide that they want to throw a goal sitting camp against each other. I think that that would just please everybody in the entire state of Texas. Probably some, probably some regional and national cross checkers too would just, just love if that happened. But what, hold on, let me see. Where are they playing? They're playing a DBU. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still know that that's, that's going to be a packed house if that ends, if that matchup ends up being what it is. Um, yeah, that's going to be that would you could fill up that whole section worth of uh, pro guys, I would imagine. So, oh, yeah, seen, uh, seen those two. Those two have been big FOMO guys for me. I know you guys have seen them up there, but um, just watching the video and stuff like that makes me a little antsy that uh, I haven't seen seen either one of those guys during the, during the spring. But um, certainly seen a, a lot of other guys in Houston, San Antonio and Austin. Um, but. Well, you got anything else before we get out of here? There's not really anything going on NFL side, college football side. LeBron might retire apparently after after they got knocked out last night by Jokic and the in the Nuggets. Um, I have seen, I have watched zero point zero seconds of NBA basketball this year. I think. Yeah, I don't know why. I just haven't. So yeah, play. I kind of peaked on the play on last night's game. It was like the first game. I kind of watched like a half of just, you know, cause the nuggets were way down and they started coming back and I just had time to put it on while I was doing tagging, uh, tagging Twitter profiles for, for a story. So um, yeah, let's see LeBron 20 year 20 might be his last pass. I think he was, I was going to see if I thought maybe he'd hold on until his son made the NBA, but you know, who knows Carmelo retiring. He'll come back. He'll come back. He'll come back. Pull a pull a Jordan and and come yeah. back and play yeah. for play with his his son on a team that'd be pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever seen that in basketball before. Seen it in baseball, but not in basketball before. But all right, well we've talked enough. Um, get you can follow us on Twitter at Five Tool Pod and also on Instagram as well. If you missed last week's episode, it was a really really good one. Uh, we had Turtle Thomas and Jeff Wagner on talking about the uh, transfer portal combine in the next space showcase uh, really excited to be partnered with them. You can find out more information about that at transferportalcombine.com, or we can go to five tool.org and go to events and showcases. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing value. All the stuff you get um, in addition to our coverage. I mean, just the turtle Thomas hitting bundle arm care program. Like there's all sorts of stuff that comes with it. Um, so it's a really great opportunity, um, showcase wise, especially because, you know, these are showcases scheduled right before big summer events. So you get a lot of college coaches that are already going to be in town for those events. They're going to stop over at these showcases. So, um, get to five tool.org and just go to events and showcases and follow all, all of our showcases that, you know, maybe you're looking to get into one, uh, during the summer season, It's a great opportunity to get some exposure, get some social media coverage, get some things on your profile. Of course, you can always go to five tool and then click join and and explore subscription options for our premium profiles, which uh, really, really great tool, especially this time of the year. Um, You know, when you're going to be getting more coverage, um, you know, recruiting is going to be going on. College coaches are going to kind of be jamming all the recruiting into the next couple of months, um, especially for those 2024s. Um, and eventually those 2025s trying to get ahead and get some eyes on those guys before they can start being contacted there. 
um, August 1st. So get to fivetool.org and check out all of that stuff. Uh, well, for Drew, I'm Dustin McComas. Thanks for tuning in. Again, follow us at Five Tool Pod, Twitter and Instagram for more playoffs coverage. And uh, before you know it, all of our summer events uh, start going here in, uh, very shortly and we'll blink and it'll probably be August after about a thousand games uh, across the state, California, Arizona, Colorado, all over the place uh, this summer. So get to fivetool.org and check out all of that coverage. I do have I do have one thing. So oh, I you have one, one thing. Game. Okay. I kept, I said I said Luke Islet. It's Luke Isit. Ice Islet. I no no L. No L. Oh no L. I, okay. I couldn't making uh looking at bad notes there on my pad. My writing got a little sloppy. I know how you feel. The writing is a little hard to translate uh when you get back home, unfortunately. But uh well good. Glad you clarified that. He'll he'll probably appreciate it. Um All right, that wraps us up. Thanks for tuning in to episode 115. Until we talk to you all next time, take care.